This is Shane Gibson's Closing Bigger Sales Podcast from ClosingBigger.net. Today we've got a special guest today on our show, Barb Stagman. Barb, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, you're the author of the book, the new book, The Seven Virtues mm-hmm. of Philosopher Queen. And I asked That's you to right. come on the show here. I guess, uh, you know, we met through Trevor Green, who's my co-author and a dear friend of us both. Yes. And yes. Uh, we, uh, I've been following you on uh, Facebook, uh, got the news about your <laughs> new book, uh, and uh, was very intrigued at the coverage you've gotten across Canada with the media. And so I thought yeah, today, I, mean, I want to talk about the book in general, um, mm-hmm. but also how you feel these principles, these seven principles, apply to today's economic environment and what's going on. Because I know, I know they're age-old mm-hmm. principles that many of us, uh, mm-hmm. you know, haven't been taught. So maybe we could That's start right. off with just, can you tell us a little bit about your book? Well, yeah, you know, I'd love to start with uh, the fact that, you know, Trevor Green, Captain Green co-wrote your book with you, which is uh, certainly empowering a lot of people to do better and, and stretch for excellence. And I de- I dedicated my book to him. So we're both connected in that wonderful way. He certainly woke me up in his work uh, uh, to stretch and to to really connect with the greater good and what can I do to be a more um, active and present human being. So so it was interesting because, it, again, it returns to that kernel that that's Stoic leadership, which is age old, goes back to the time of Socrates and, and, and uh, uh, just seeking the truth and getting away from all of that clutter that can take us away from our own answers. And it is very timely right now. I mean, I just presented to several financial um, groups and, and just heartbreaking stories of you know some of them, as much as 40% of their clients had completely bailed, uh, uh, sold their, their uh, savings at a very low point. And, uh, you know, that's reaction. And it's interesting because that's that's making decisions based on your emotions. You're reacting to information that's on some level misinformation because it's very sensationalized, the sky is falling kind of approach. And as we both discussed, uh, there's many other indicators to show the economy is strong here in Canada. So it's very interesting observing people reacting. And I think that's why I've been asked to speak to financial advisors specifically to empower them to get to that place through, you know, the seven virtues, of course, the main four, stoic, truth, courage, justice, wisdom, right? Those are very important things. They take daily practice, but it costs nothing. It costs nothing and it's so accessible. And it's interesting for me just to to give you one sense back to the economy and how I got onto philosophy. In fact, I met uh, Trevor Green in university studying philosophy. But when I arrived at King's to study philosophy 20 years ago, and now I'm dating myself, I uh, uh, made a very important switch. I was raised in poverty by a single mom on welfare, and I made a very big switch. I went from worrying about existing, which takes all your energy and puts you in an emotional reactionary state, to the meaning of my existence. And once you make that switch, you start to really focus on logic, the greater good, your your balance in your life and the harmony in your life and recognizing that happiness has nothing to do with money. Yes, we need a strong foundation. Yes, we need to do all those things, make sure our children have an education, that we have a solid retirement. But, uh, you know, basing everything on that is not healthy and focusing with a a fear achieves nothing. You know, I I actually, you know, I, I think that fear 
uh, is this fear in yourself causing fear in another is as close to evil as you can get. I think it, it achieves nothing. And courage is as close to the divine. You want success, you've got to be courageous, but you can't be emotional reactionary. And, and that is possible by practicing the virtues every day, right? Daily practice, daily practice. And here we are, yeah. we're pretty well at the bottom of the economy in my perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, we might slide mm-hmm. a little bit further, even Warren Buffett today in the article mm-hmm. he put out, which was a great article on investing he put mm-hmm. up today and and as we look at this you know we're pretty well at the bottom of the economy you might slide a bit more some more banks might topple real estate will probably drop mm-hmm. a bit more but we're pretty well there so here we are at the mm-hmm. bottom of the economy and you shared something with me uh online as well as just a few moments ago before we started recording and that is that basically you've gone quote unquote solo recently Mm-hmm. That's right. I don't uh, have the security of a job. I chose that decision during all of this two weeks ago, you know, and I'm making more than I was making employed by someone. So all this fear uh, is absolutely ridiculous. That's it's, the, it's the filter, the, how you look at the world, right? The way I look, and this is very philosophical. The philosophers would tell you that you have all the resources you need around you to lead a successful life. And I'm living proof of that. I started in extreme poverty and I live a wonderful life. I have absolutely everything I've dreamed of. And, and it's interesting. Even my kids have over 20,000 saved for university already. So, so all of that is about recognizing that if you live the virtues, if you practice them, I mean, we're not perfect. We're all bumbling along. But if you're, if you're staying conscious and on top of it, then it's guaranteed universal properties to success. And these are, the, these are the, 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 the stoic virtues that Churchill and Marcus Aurelius and some of the greatest leader philosopher uh, soldiers of all time who've led through war and strife and economic upheaval like you can possibly imagine. And they all ended up successful, even though there were times where there were scary conditions going on, where the people were uh, not trusting them and all kinds of things came at them. They stayed the course. They were the leaders that got people to safety. You think about World War II. You know, you know, so you're talking about you know, crazy times, right? Whether it's war, whether it's uh, economic upheaval. I mean, this has gone on. Marcus Aurelius would tell you who wrote the meditations in 171 AD. It doesn't matter if it's 40 years or 40,000 years, mankind is the same. So what we try to do is realize that these situations manifest themselves differently. What have we learned and how can we handle that effectively with leadership? And it's not just for our own sake. It's how we live inside our homes for our children, for our neighbors, for our community, right? The way we respond to these outward situations. And it returns to, I don't know if you've read uh, Plato's Republic. Uh, he had the analogy of the cave. Essentially, and that's 2,000 years old, uh, Plato was a student of Socrates who was, you know, drank the hemlock, wasn't willing to compromise his ethics. And that's, again, very beautiful. Never compromise your ethics. You will always meet success. Guaranteed, again, universal properties to this. And so Plato wrote the Republic about Socrates' uh, uh, um, teachings, the Socratic method, getting down to the truth, which is very important when you have all kinds of negative negative outside external influences from the media, from family, from friends, uh, from people who know nothing of the market, you know, and it's interesting because Marcus Aurelius would say, why would you care about the opinion of 10,000 men if they know nothing of the subject? Absolutely crucial to stick only with those that are experts to help guide you and help you navigate uh, 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 to your own success. Yet these people, again, 40% of some of these financial advisors, uh, their clients just sold low, wouldn't even listen to their their financial advisor. Uh, It's not going to serve them. It's a very emotional, impulsive reaction. And getting back to Plato's cave, his analogy of the cave, essentially, in a nutshell, 
uh, is that humanity is, is living inside these caves, living in these uh, sort of shadows. We're not really seeing the truth, and, and we're chained up. And we're chained up by media, authoritarian figures, outside negative influences, fear, and all those things keep us from our greatness. And what he wrote about was that it was the philosopher kings that had the courage to break those chains and get outside of the cave and see the truth. And now I say philosopher queen because they didn't really give us the queen, right? So philosopher kings and queens, men and women, have the courage to seek the truth and get out of the cave. And then the job and responsibility once you've gotten outside of the cave and seen the truth is to go back and speak to uh, humanity. But of course, they don't understand your language and that's the dance, right? And this is a cyclical thing that's gone on throughout time. It won't matter if it's 500 years from now, 1,000 years ago. Same thing, just manifests itself differently. And so it's those philosopher kings and queens, and I think that's why people are responding so much to the book, because I took all that really heavy writing and uh, condensed it and made it very digestible for the everyday person because, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm talking to the Chamber of Commerce in Halifax or uh, women in Squamish or Coquitlam. Uh, it doesn't matter. Ottawa, Carleton, I asked the crowd, how many of your moms talked to you about Adam Smith and capitalism or Plato in the pool? It's not a hand goes up. So this is a language that we need to connect with because it does empower us to make healthy decisions in today's world. Uh, but again, those, those virtues cost nothing, cost nothing to build your character and gives you that wisdom so you can lead uh, your, your own life, your own company, your own family, your community, because that's very crucial as well, and giving courage to the people around you, right? So when we look at this, it's, mm-hmm. you know, really, if we boil it down, a lot of what you're talking about, uh, if I, from my sort of perspective, and I guess my context as I look at it, is it's the... It's almost the abundance mentality versus the scarcity mentality in a lot of cases, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. And, and it's interesting because a lot of people don't realize how much abundance is around you. I mean, just one, and again, the main threads of the philosophical direction is to always see that your success is threaded to the greater good. How do you connect to the greater good through empowerment, not charity, but empowerment? And so to give you, you know, just a quick example on how I live this on a daily level, uh, I remember uh, uh, Julie Black, uh, Juno Award-winning uh, singer on uh, Canadian Idol. I play her music to gorgeous uh, visuals of courageous women from Rosa Parks to Mother Teresa, just at the opening of my presentations to really reconnect people with what courage looks like. And it doesn't really have a color or a gender or an age. And that's the beautiful part, that building your your character and having courage uh, uh, is, is possible for all of us, and it looks so different. It's just packaged differently and helps us to realize that we shouldn't judge or label people by their gender or outward appearance. It's all about what do we, what's the stuff that we're made of. And what's interesting with that is when I met Julie, uh, um, we just started chatting about the book, and I was being present, just being completely present. I knew she'd had a, a little bit of a fight with her boyfriend. She was kind of sad. And, of course, they made up, which was wonderful. But at the time, again, back to these philosophical uh, um beliefs, all I wanted to do was make sure that she felt better. And what could I do being present? Because if that's all that matters, the philosophers would tell you the past is gone, it's over. You don't own tomorrow. Be present. Whoever you're with in that moment is all that matters. And so uh, I watched her do her interview with my friends at CTV. And at the end of her interview, she said, you know, I feel like the Olympian of singing. And when the camera uh, went off, I said, do you want to sing at the 2010 Games? 
And she said, oh, my God, I would love to. So I wrote my friends, had a sponsorship, GM for 2010 Commerce Center, Deputy Ministry of Industry. I wrote them all. I said, listen, Julie Black's having a bad day. Uh, who can get her singing at 2010 first? And uh, my friend uh, Lee Mallow from sponsorship wrote back right away, but well, within an hour, and she said, we were just talking about her. And so I connected her people with them. And, of course, it's up to them in the end. But the beautiful part is, is that if you're present, you're present to, again, threading into the greater good. How can my network, because your network is your net worth, how can I tap into my network to help you right now to get to your dreams? And then the beautiful part is she gave the book to Fast Jordan. She gave it to the president of CTV. Uh, the producers of Canadian Idol have ordered it. And, and what she did is she grew my network. But I never thought of that. All I could think of was is right now you're all that matters and I want to make you happy. And again, abundance is through that because you see resources where no one else sees them. But it's very philosophical. It's very toward the greater good. Uh, and, and it's very giving uh, uh, in a sense that uh, doesn't cost you or compromise you. But it's giving in a sense that you, it doesn't cost much. To, to, in fact, it costs nothing. But you're stretching yourself. You're kind of just taking yourself a bit out of your comfort zone, a bit out of you, and back into the people around you. Because Marcus Aurelius would tell you, everyone's brought to you for a reason, either to teach you or to bear. And so you need to be present with that. So even when the awful things come your way, there's lessons in that, always lessons. And you've got to focus on that too. Otherwise, you'll miss something. Now, you can think about Churchill when uh, he fought a, a really big battle and they lost a lot of men. It was very, very tragic. And everyone came down hard on him. And, you know, almost wanting to boot him out of the leadership role. And they were up against the Nazis. You can imagine how frightening that was. I can't even really imagine, really. And, uh, and it's important to remember these lessons. And what's interesting is when they won the war, he credited that battle for the lesson that won the war. So if you're a philosopher and if you're present, even when bad things come your way, you must be present and see what the lesson is because it's going to save you from something far worse coming down the line. So again, these, these, this philosophical thinking is not only financial, but it's also uh, uh, connects with your personal life, your community, the health of everything around you, and you're contributing. And the beautiful part is, you know, it's the joy factor, right? If you're living with direction, if you have a mission, if you know where you're taking your life, I mean, it's interesting. Another thing I ask people is how many of you have a mission statement, a personal mission statement? Hardly a hand goes up. Yet I asked them, how many of you know your corporate mission statement? Oh, everybody knows that. And I think that's wonderful. But I think that if you don't know where you're taking your life, then how can you possibly really take your organization to excellence? You, know, you need to know where you're taking your life. And, and for me, I have a mission statement. Uh, I want to have the wisdom of Solomon by the time I'm 96. I've got 57 years. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. But that driving mission ensures that I'm flanked by some of the wisest people in this country. I'm very, very blessed to have some of the most visionary mentors. And they guide me and they challenge me. And so with that mission statement, it has brought me to these people because I know where I'm taking my life. And so uh, it's very interesting. And I want others to connect with their own mission. Uh, and then, of course, you, you can't be knocked off your track because you know where you're going. We talk about, and I find this very inspiring, Barb, to have someone articulate it as well as you do. And I think this is what I really, I, I hear your passion and, and I Thank feel you. it. And as we look at this, I, I, I think about leadership and some people talk about leading with their, their head, being real thinkers. Mm -hmm. And other people talk about leading with their heart and the impact yeah. and power that has. And so I guess my question mm -hmm. is, we look at these, these seven virtues, 
Mm-hmm. And where do they fall in, in the head and heart zone? What type of leadership mm-hmm. do they represent? It's all encompassing, and they're actually not separate because we'll return to, to Plato. In Plato's Republic, he wrote about the tripartite soul. This is very, very important. The tripartite soul is applicable to both the city-state, which is the most important level of government, which is grassroots, always has been, it's re-emerging as such, and the individual. The tripartite soul uh, connects the individual. I'll explain what that means. In the city-state, the tripartite soul is three levels of government, nonprofit, private sector, education, working in harmony. If you have an outflow, out-migration of people, or an increase in urban decay, or or violence, then there's a disconnect in that harmony and you have to get down to finding out why. And it's very simple and formulaic. And so you go back to the individual and Plato said the tripartite soul is the mind-body-spirit harmony. And we all know mind-body-spirit. It's very commercialized now, that terminology. And they have to be in harmony. And so what's interesting is he's very clear. The greatest pleasures cease to exist if they are overused. Uh, 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 They're very clear. Socrates, Epictetus, these great leaders, you know, talk very clearly about overindulgence and its danger in the body, right? And then the mind, they talk very clearly about training the mind to be stoic, but the spirit as well, which I think is really connected to the heart, which is about the greater good. And here's the dance. They're not separate. And the daily practice through the virtues gets you to that harmony of all three, right? So you start with wonder. Wonder is the most important virtue. It, well, I shouldn't say most important. It's where all philosophical thinking begins. So instead of doubt, you know, so you ask yourself, even for me, when I wrote my book, I said, I wonder what would happen if I asked Peter Legg for lunch. You know, the greatest, I know you know Peter, uh, uh, one of the greatest uh, motivational speakers in North America, uh, has written uh, eight books, uh, runs Canada-wide publishing. I said, I wonder, instead of doubting, right, who am I? Well, I thought I'd ask. And you know what? We went to lunch. And he's the one that told me to put the, the cover of my jacket of my book over a journal, place it on my desk, and visualize it. And it took two years, and that book happened. And now I live off the, the sales of it, so you can well imagine how important it was that I was in a state of wonder. And if I doubted myself, if I judged myself, if I thought, oh, well, he'd never uh, want to, to sit with me and discuss this, I would uh, never have achieved this dream. So wonder, always wonder, never doubt, never doubt yourself, never doubt the people around you, right? And the second virtue, moderation. As Disraeli, one of the greatest prime ministers, very stoic uh, of Britain said, uh, uh, there's excess in moderation. And it's very interesting, even to give you a real clear example of that, uh, you know, when I brought my son home in a laundry basket, putting my ex-husband through university, uh, you know, we had very little money, but I started putting $75 away for him for university. And, you know, both kids now have uh, $20,000 and they're still far from going to university. And I don't want to pay for all of it. I want them to earn some money too, but they have a good chunk of change when they go and they know they're going to university. And so what's interesting is 10% 10 of the average net income of the average North American is going to Visa card interest. Right. And, and this returns to that idea. If they had uh, exercised moderation and put that money away, their kids could be going to university 
from the very interest they're paying on their Visa cards. So I want to really bring home the idea of accountability, which is what Jean-Paul Sartre wrote about in Existentialism. You are in your life where you are because of the choices you've made, and it's about being accountable. And moderation is a very important thing. Even for me, I I suffered from childhood obesity. And again, we're talking mind, body, spirit. It connects to everything in your life, these virtues. Um, You know, I was 210 pounds. Uh, I'm five, nine and a half. Uh, That was very overweight for a young person. Uh, I went down to 150 where I've remained. But if I go up even two pounds because Thanksgiving, it was wonderful. We indulged. I had a great time. I have to get rid of those two pounds. I've got to be accountable. I've got to do the work. And so it's, it's very important that we apply moderation in all of our life. Even for me, doing well with the book, I'm still applying moderation. I'm still ensuring that I don't overspend. I do all the same things I've always done to ensure that my visa is at zero. Uh, uh, So again, I get very excited about paying off any line of credit very quickly. uh, uh, And it's very important to me. Uh, And moderation is what got me here out of poverty. Right. Again, the resources are all around you. And so you've got wonder, moderation. The next one's truth. Always so difficult. If, if those folks had actually sought the truth from their financial advisors, they wouldn't have sold low. They wouldn't have reacted. Uh, uh, of course, the truth, the next virtue is courage. Once you know the truth, it takes courage to do something with it. And that extends to everything. Whether you see something happening in your community that's unacceptable, speak up. Right. Speak up. Bad things happen when good people do nothing. It is so important to flank and support people. And it's very interesting, too. Uh, I'll return to back to those chains in the cave that Plato wrote about. No one's allowed to gossip in my house. You know, anybody wants to take pleasure in, in uh, uh, putting someone down, whether it's a, a pop star or the neighbors, it's not a discussion that's going to happen in my home. And it's very uncomfortable at first for people. Uh, when I first moved back here a year and a half ago in Nova Scotia, uh, and now... Nobody speaks ill of someone in front of me. They know it's just not something that uh, that I'll do. And so I've built a culture around me, right? And that's very important. You can control the world around you if you have a mission, if you know where you're taking your life. So after courage, of course, what's beautiful if you've done the work and it takes a lot of work and it's daily practice, you get justice, but not justice in the sense of the, the court of law, uh, justice in the natural harmony that, that in the tripartite soul, that everything's occurring and flowing in harmony. And then what you get as a gift for doing all that work is wisdom, which is absolutely beautiful. There's nothing more glorious than having people come and ask you what what, what you think about something, what's your idea on something, uh, that you're an expert, that you should come speak on an issue. That is absolutely lovely feeling because it, it, it's showing that you've, you're, you're doing the work and the work never stops. I mean, even for me in this, this uh, uh, book, I wrote the book and we published it seven months ago on uh, International Women's Day. I'm still stretching. I'm still pushing myself into uh, my own excellence. I'm still stretching out. I will never stop, but it's part of the journey and that's what makes life so exciting. And the seventh virtue, because it's a book for women. Of course, men enjoy the book as well. It's just that our moms never gave this to us. Uh, it's, it's beauty, but in a Michelangelo sense that the sculpture is already in the clay. Whether you visualize that body that you have or that company that you have or, or revitalizing a neighborhood. I worked in, in economic development in revitalizing impoverished neighborhoods. You got to visualize it. You got to have a vision and you got to gather and bring people together in harmony. And so that everybody sees the same goal and that they all walk in the same direction. And that just makes healthy communities. Uh, uh, and it's, it's, again, principles that apply to your entire life. Again, even, you know, one of the women I interviewed in the book was uh, dealing with um, losing her son to bullying. It was very, very, very tragic. 
But what's interesting about that is she shared the lessons from it because she didn't want this to happen to anyone else. And what's interesting is, even though I've experienced bullying with my children, but because I have a mission for my family, I can assure you, uh, I wrote columns on it. I was on the radio shows. I uncovered that the code of conduct was out of date within our provincial uh, school system. I took it right to the premier. I don't stop because I know where I'm taking my family. And I'm not a rabble rouser to the point that I'm going to point fingers at anyone. That's the other important part. Never strip anyone of their dignity. That is so crucial. That's how we get to an honest place. And we get out of the cave and we can actually talk about truth. If codes of conduct are out of date and they're causing, uh, uh, for example, the code of conduct in our case had a harsher penalty for a violation to property over violation to a person. So a child that breaks a window would have a harsher penalty than the child that, that bullied my son and threatened to come so, to our home. So and so, right. Corporately right. then, and we look at this corporate codes of conduct, how many organizations yes. do you believe are operating on an outdated philosophy or code of conduct. Oh my God. I would have to say, I rarely see an organization that's really fully healthy, but when I do, I applaud it. I am so in awe. I, I believe that the very base level, the culture of gossip that goes on and the quiet bullying that occurs is unacceptable. I think so. So again, returning to how beautiful it is that people memorize the corporate mission statement. But if you're not doing check-ins on your own personal uh, uh, mission and objectives, then things start to get a little askew. And people want to be polite. They don't want to say anything. Well, you got to speak up. I've seen everything from, from high-level bureaucrats bullied uh, in public by uh, council members. It's unacceptable. And I've called them on it right there. I, I will not tolerate it. It will not go. And it's very important. Never strip anyone their dignity, but be very honest. And, and that's really crucial because I can assure you the loyalty when someone is supported and backed, even in a marriage. The greatest marriages, the one thing I would tell any child, and this applies to a corporation as well, don't marry anyone unless they back you. Raising children, you better have a partner that backs you. If you're not back, oh my God, you'll be jumping up and down. Same thing inside a corporation. Are you backed? Do you have people that back and support you, that get excited about your ideas? My God, how many times do I hear, it's not in my work plan. It's not in my work plan. My God, you've got a list of philosophers who teach you. You've got to adapt. The world is changing fast. If you're not innovative, if you're not volleying and really being uh, uh, creative, uh, then companies die over time, a slow death or a quick one. But, you know, the people inside the organization have to be self-directed uh, and, and be courageous and never strip anyone their dignity and get excited about being present. What's happening today right now? How can I contribute to that, to the greater good? And within my own vast network, what can I bring to this? It doesn't have to be your idea. That's the other challenge. A lot of people won't support something unless it's their idea. Who cares? The philosophers would tell you you're all dead in 100 years. And guess what? Nobody's going to remember you. Can you tell me who the mayor was of your city 100 years ago? Probably not. I can't. Right? And I'm sure they were very important in the day. Right? So the reality is it's very, it's like Socrates said, I know nothing, therefore I know something. It's very liberating to realize we're not so important. And with that, we can really rise to our greatness. Right? So, and, so and we've got, um, just a thought here. We've got probably a couple minutes left of the podcast. Yeah. And yeah. what I wanted to do is kind of, 
you've given us a lot of great stuff to think about. I want to bring this down to a fine point, if possible. And I know this is a huge topic. But a lot of people listening to this program are sales professionals, big deal closers, entrepreneurs. What's your two minutes of wisdom here you could give them in regards to how they can really prosper in the next year or so in this economic situation? Yes. Uh, The most important thing, and it returns to everything I spoke about earlier, so you have all of that, fix people's problems. And I don't mean in a charitable way. And I used to teach sales. I used to tell them, if you haven't listened to a thing I've said for the last two weeks, which I find hard to believe, but if they hadn't, I'd say to them, just fix people's problems. Guaranteed. That's what I do. I fix people's problems. If you are presented to me, I'm here to fix your problem. And from that, I sell. I have never asked for a speaking engagement. And I am booked nonstop. I do not ask people come to me. And that has been born out of this philosophy. I fix people's problems. So that's what you do. Fantastic. And you go away and figure out. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Now, Barb, for someone to get a hold of you and get a copy of your great mm-hmm. book. Yeah, book you yeah. For their next conference. Uh, <laughs> then uh, where do they go? What do they do? They go to www.the7virtues.com, and that's the number seven. And they can call me directly. My email's there, barb at the7virtues.com. I love chatting with people, uh, and they can share with me whatever they need, and I'm happy to respond. And you can buy the book online on the website through PayPal. Uh, and also, now, unless you're in Nova Scotia, you can get at the chapters and calls and the independence. And you can buy it at Lotusware in Vancouver. But for the most part, the website. Fantastic, Barb. Well, thank you very much. I think this has been a really timely message and a timely book for this current economic situation. And uh, Mm -hmm. I urge people to pick up a copy. It's a great book. Thanks again for coming. Thanks, Shane. This is Shane Gibson's Closing Bigger Sales Podcast from ClosingBigger.net.